The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of REMAX Metro Eastside and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, Remax Metro Eastside. And I'm Eric Osnes from HomeBridge Financial Home Mortgage. Happy weekend. Happy weekend as always. There we go. Summer is off and running. And, it's uh, almost half done. What are you talking about <laughs> off and running? You've been saying that for weeks. Well, it, it's, it's been sprinting it's a, it's and we're already past solstice. I think somebody said the analogy. to the end of July. What are you talking about? Well, for me, it's it's just a blur. I, you know, it gets so, so busy. And this summer mm-hmm. is probably the busiest I've ever seen. And, and maybe it's oh, my, yeah. maybe I'm just getting older. You know, I'm up over the hill. So as I go down that hill, it goes faster and faster. I'm not really sure, but... Lots I'm, going on if, right now. If listeners could see my face, they would know yeah. that I'm in agreement with you. Well, there you go. <laughs> what a beautiful summer so far. Uh, yeah, I know. The, it's beautiful. The only thing I worry about is the fact that it's also indicative of drought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so not. Which is great. surprising considering we had record, record snowfall, you know, mm-hmm. this winter, you know, and, and skiing mm-hmm. opened, you know, clear into mm-hmm. May. Uh, mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden you flip the switch and we're talking drought. Except for we also started warm weather in March, so mm-hmm. we're getting some sure. very interesting kind of swapovers on all of mm-hmm. this. I'll be curious to see at what point we start having our wetness, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of weather again, because it used to be you could get into like mid October, right, before it really happened. Right. So I'm going to be curious to see if we are seeing it again in September. Like yeah, last year was year. like that, and mm-hmm. I know September can be one of the nicest yeah. um, months to be out in the Northwest, you know, exactly. hiking and whatnot. So, so beautiful. All I can say is, anybody now that we have things that have opened up, anyone trying to plan like outdoor events, you know, because it used to always be like in the summertime you couldn't plan an outdoor wedding without a contingency plan until into July. Right. And this year it was just like. You could have done it any time, practically, you know, from, you know, March, April on. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. I don't know. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with all the seasons. But you know what other kind of season it is right now? What season is that? Kitten season. Oh, kitten season. It's kitten season. Yeah. Summer is always kitten season. Did you not know that? I did know that. Yes. Yeah. So along with that, um, as you know, I am a huge supporter of Seattle Humane. As am I. Yes, and so and we both are cat owners. Yeah, um, unfortunately, yeah, two little furry, <laughs> what do you mean, furry adopted butts I running around our house. Oh, yeah. I know. I keep seeing Ellie put uh, videos up on Facebook about your cats, like playtime, yeah, playtime, yeah. and then she's throwing I don't know what at them to start doing things. And I saw you guys with one, the little red laser, but um, anyway, you guys are busy at home taking care of your kitties. I have my kitty at home that I take care of, but for a lot of those kittens, they don't yet have a home. Mm-hmm. And so they are often at places like Seattle Humane Mm -hmm. um, and Seattle Area Feline Rescue. Mm -hmm. And what we want to point out to our listeners right now is through the end of this month that Naturally Fresh Cat Litter has partnered up with those two shelters, the Mm -hmm. Seattle uh, Humane and uh, what was it? I just mentioned Seattle Area Feline Rescue. Mm -hmm. And they have provided... A, I think it's a 14-pound box of litter that mm-hmm. they'll provide. That's right. But they're also helping sponsor adoption fees. Right. Which is the really key thing. Which it can add up. It's not cheap. Yeah. Oh, no. 
Uh-uh. Yeah. No, but that's the other thing, too, is also during the pandemic, a lot of people started adopting animals during that time. But we shouldn't stop. No, absolutely Because they not. keep coming. And then I also want to mention, when you get one of those, spay neuter. Spay neuter. Please. Right. Please, please, please. I actually wrote a paper in college. We had to write um, all these different papers for a communications class I was in. And one of them was um, a persuasive paper. And mine was specifically around spay neuter. Mm-hmm. And I used cats as an example and how quickly... They have a compound effect that you can get to a million cats in a very short period of time. Oh, absolutely true. If you true. do not get them spayed and yeah. neutered. No, a- absolutely <laughs> right? true. So so this this giveaway, it's through Naturally Fresh Cat Litter. It runs through the end of July. So all new cat adopters, mm-hmm. participating shelters going to get uh, this new cat parent adoption kit. It gets you a 14-pound bag of Naturally Fresh Litter, eco-friendly cat care ideas, pet parent pro tips, and education materials, as well as a $5 coupon to help on your next purchase of Naturally Fresh formula. So let's um, congratulate and join Naturally Fresh in supporting your local Seattle shelters and uh, get one furry butt for your home. Yes. I know they they always say to get forever homes, but it's always it should be misspelled to forever. There you go. Oh, for forever. Homes. Oh, isn't yes. that clever? Yes. Yeah. Well, you've seen some photos. I mm-hmm. uh, for, for ours, we had one cat that was FIV positive. Yeah. So, I've had so he's not supposed to be out, 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 yeah. and out in the yard. So I built mm-hmm. this massive catio mm-hmm. and put different shelves and levels and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they love that thing. They're out. Oh, they've yeah. got their own cat door. They can go in and out. They're out there constantly you know well just yeah they want to have entertainment keeping too. tabs on what's going on just with like the... our show they they too <laughs> want to be entertained that's absolutely true yeah absolutely i don't think they'd be entertained by our show but hopefully our listeners are so we right. want to thank them for spending their valuable time there with you us go on the weekend so entertain us what's going on in the seattle housing market because <laughs> i read okay uh, a headline that home sales are beginning to stall as buyers hit their limits, that came out of Housing Wire ah, uh, this week. So and, now we're uh, into comedy <laughs> or tragedy. It's one or the other. Yeah. Like, what's the most ridiculous yeah. headline you could possibly say? Yeah, that well, one. It, it made me stop and read it because I'm like, huh? Yeah, exactly. Now you're like my dog. What's going on with that? <laughs> so, so what? Uh, yeah. No. Are you seeing a slowdown in the no. housing? Yeah. No. No. Now I will say. It hasn't changed much in terms of the, it has to be compelling, mm-hmm. right? If it's not compelling, it's not selling, okay. right? Sure. Um, but about 70% of the homes here are selling in about a week. Yeah. We just got done posting um, one of our stats for this last month um, out to you know our social media and to our clientele. And the King County market area is on average about six days on market, mm-hmm. um, vast majority of homes are selling very very quickly um even ones that don't look great i gotta say i'm still super frustrated about that though because um you know people complain about what they think they're paying to real estate professionals like myself um focus on professional and when you're interviewing the person you're going to hire to sell your home make sure they're using professional tools because you're going to get more for your home when they do yeah, and uh, don't just go with the person who gives you the highest price. We're going to sell it right. for this amount uh, because yeah. that's just, we call it buying a listing. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that, and that goes back to the, if it's not compelling, it's not selling. If they right. overprice the home, there are still homes that will sit on market. Now, mm-hmm. if you have someone who's sharp enough to realize if you don't have an offer within the first two weeks, yeah, you probably need a pricing mm-hmm. adjustment. Right. 
But it also depends on the area. I, I'll use as an example that we do happen to have a listing in Edgewood that we knew it wasn't probably going to sell in those first few days. Mm-hmm. One, because of the age of the home and style, because mm-hmm. it's in its still kind of original look of 1998. Okay. Great house. Yeah. Beautiful uh, gated community. Mm-hmm. It's actually at um, just under 2,900 square feet. It's one of the smallest in this very small community, mm-hmm. but they've got gorgeous views out over um, the valley area, looking mm-hmm. out towards South Hill, Puyallup. So you see some of the foothills. You don't necessarily get to see Rainier, but you do see some of the foothills leading yeah. up to it. Sure. And you get this just expansive, gorgeous view, uh, south facing. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely love it. Um, and that particular house we just knew wasn't going to be the immediate because we've been tracking for over a year the sales in that market mm-hmm. and that price point doesn't sell that often. Hmm. And so I think this demand for that particular price, but cause it's at $775,000. Oh, okay. Right. So wh- which, and here's the other I, thing. which ironically is just slightly higher than the median sales price in Seattle. Right. And this is a house that if somebody were to look at it, they, they would absolutely love its layout the way, mm-hmm. you know, it's the kitchen is ginormous. It's a, it's a wonderful area for cooking and a big great room area and, and whatnot. And what was funny was as my team did the open house there uh, last weekend neither one of them really knew edgewood in mm, fact a bunch mm. of our listeners are probably thinking They're where where is that right <laughs> it's, you know it's a, a south end of king county area that's between federal way and auburn basically. right if you're going down i-5 you go past wild waves yeah. it's on your left as you're Correct. heading south you yes know, it's kind of this that hillside over and it's there. a beautiful beautiful area it's mm-hmm. it's a very suburban um bedroom community mm-hmm. it doesn't have they're part of the reason people don't know much about it is because it also doesn't have much of a downtown district like no. a lot of places no. but where this one is located is really close to 512 and 167 okay. where they come mm-hmm. together yeah so it's got actually easy access if you're going to be mm-hmm. working in tacoma super easy if you're uh, a base you know plu right. All right. super, super close. Mm-hmm. Or if you're even in Kent Valley. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a ton of businesses filling up Kent Valley right, right now. Or you can take the choo-choo up into Seattle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Is that the technical name, the choo-choo? It is. Uh, Look okay. it up. All right. Yeah. yeah I'm is. so glad we have our guest here who can help school people on maybe the correct name for something. <laughs> the choo-choo. Okay. <laughs> Please, if anybody out there doesn't know what I'm talking about, raise your hands. I know, but I'm just like, are we preparing for a younger demographic to listen to the rest of the show? Could be. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, before we do get there, I do want to ask, what is going on in your part of the business? Because it's crazy hair on fire on my side. We've got tons of new listings coming on, and we love that. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we have so much inventory that it's not busy. The demand is totally right, still right. there. Well, hundred um, percent still there. We we have kind of bizarre world in the in the in the mortgage markets and the financial markets. Uh, all the uh, l- last week we got some inflation statistics that were just eye poppingly hot, red hot inflation. Eye-poppingly? Anybody that fills up their their tank, you know, can see it. Um, you're you're seeing, of course, with house prices, with food prices, um, you know, cr- with rent across the board. You know, inflation is is definitely here. And that would generally cause mortgage interest rates to rise, but they're not. Right. And uh, I've read some of your newsletters we, that go into this. But yeah, we we go explain. we go back and forth. You know, well, every time we get a hot inflation st- statistic, the Fed jumps in and says, "Calm down, everything's well." Mm-hmm. You know, we're not planning on jacking up interest rates anytime soon, not till the economy fully recovers. Right. 
But then uh, this week we also have increasing concerns about the, the latest sort of Delta variant of COVID and the concern that that might slow down our economy further. And as anybody knows, with mortgages, bad news is good. 30-year fixed rates average 2.87%. Wow. Jumbos, 3.05. 15-year fixed rates, 2.31. So the rates are extremely low right now. Yes, Unexpected. they are. Hang on, and maybe we'll talk more about that after the break. Open House with Team Reba on AM 1590. The Answer. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And we're here every Saturday from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock bringing information on real estate and finance. And we're here on Sundays from 3 to 4. That's right. And always on podcast. Yes. You can find us on Buzzsprout, Spotify, iTunes. Go to any of your favorite podcasting and you can find us. And we have nearly six years worth of content now. We're closing in on 250 episodes very yeah. quickly yeah it's pretty crazy lots of topics about just about everything under the sun affecting us in the northwest yes and um, even when a, we don't have sun <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah, spot on that's right that's yeah. right well i'm really excited about our guest today and uh, a little bit of background i mean reba and i you know we've, we've been involved in education pretty much mm-hmm. our entire careers yeah um you know we're focusing mostly on financial education uh, but but also supporting education in general. Um, oh yeah, I know you've sat on boards. I used to sit on the Highline Schools Foundation, mm-hmm. and and most yeah, recently Monument Technical College mm-hmm. Foundation. Yep. And uh, and I do sit on the the board for Three Tree Montessori School. And yeah. I thought this Focus is a great on sit. Yeah, you just sit. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, that's you're right. always very active. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Keep that brain going. Uh, well. And I thought this is a really good opportunity to talk a little bit about Montessori because people, most people out there will think, oh, what is that? You know, is that a daycare? What what exactly is Montessori? Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy to have with us here today Jamie Sweeney, who's the executive director of Three Tree Montessori. And, and Jamie, uh, we stole from a very noted school in Houston, Texas, about a year ago. Uh, to come up and and run Three Tree Montessori and and super well, don't tell, don't tell people in Texas they might come looking for them with guns. <laughs> like, I, well, I assume you didn't really steal him. Well, you, you, we didn't like time up and throw him, him in the back of a yeah, van or anything like that. Him so on the yeah. wonderful quality of life, that uh, right? There's a little bit of persuasion here. that went into the uh, equation. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so Jamie, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you all. I'm gladly here. Happily, happily here. Uh, and thanks for your service. Actually, it's an uh, opportunity for me to say thank you publicly for your board service for both of you who do that work because yeah. it's super important for organizations particularly like ours which is you know fairly small and uh, it provides us direction and wisdom that we don't have as uh, people who are sitting in that space Mm. so thanks fun stuff well i'm excited to learn more about it just because um i've always heard of montessori schools but i really Mm. actually don't know much about them and as someone who works in the real estate space i constantly have people asking me about school systems which Truly, I'm not really supposed to talk too much about um, because of fair housing rules. But I think this is a great opportunity. They always say in my space, don't be the source, be be the source of the source. And I find today as a great example Mm -hmm. to be able to highlight a a particular type of school that um, that now I can share with people Mm -hmm. and say, hey, I'm being the source of the source. And that's you. Right. (laughs) 
So, so Jamie, tell us, a, first, I guess, maybe a little bit about your background. Yes. And let's yeah, jump sure. into what, what is Montessori. Sure. I grew up in Kansas, um, farm boy as a rancher. What? You didn't tell uh-huh. me that. I didn't. That's right. You two have came from the same farm. Oh, wow. Oh, there you go. Jeez. Okay. My, most of my family right now is in Wichita. I grew nice. up primarily in Newton, Kansas, a suburb of Wichita. Yeah, I was out west in Quinter, which okay. is a little tiny town yeah. on 70. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I've got plenty of family still back there. So, okay. Same. All right. Anyway, so yes, yeah, moving thanks. on. <laughs> all right. And uh, stayed in that state. I went to college in that state, master's in that state, all the, all the things. And then uh, got into education and um, have worked in Lawrence, Kansas, St. Louis, Houston, mm-hmm. And now here, and I've been doing that for about 30 years. And so for 25 of those, it's been in Montessori. And so I'm happy to talk about that. And I don't uh, profess to be a historian of uh, Maria Montessori, but it it is a really interesting story, I think, in the fact that it does, you know, the philosophy bears her name. So Mm -hmm. it does, it's a rare one that... um, that she is a huge contributor to uh, what it all is. And her role in that is really interesting. She was, uh, she's from Italy, um, born in 1870, uh, did most of her kind of um, seminal work in the early turn of the century. Uh, She was the first female doctor uh, in Italy and a real um, kind of groundbreaker in regards to being um, not only fearless in in the face of kind of cultural norms, but also a huge advocate for uh, women's uh, issues and fought for equal wages and a lot of the things that we're hearing. Oh, she was a, (laughs) I can't curse on here, but it it would be appropriate. Uh, She's amazing. And um, she caught a lot of flack in, um, in her getting her medical degree and they kind of pushed her to things that, uh, that she didn't really uh, gravitate towards. So then she ultimately got into psychology and the uh, areas in Rome were being developed. So this ties into what your worlds are mm-hmm. um, like very mm-hmm. rapidly because Rome was uh, growing very quickly and those uh, developments weren't done very well. They were, they were just super fast and then they didn't have people to fill them appropriately. Mm-hmm. So they had this apartment complex in San Lorenzo that um, had families who are working families in it, and their kids were there, but all the parents would go off to work during the day, and the landlord realized that the students were there without things to do mm-hmm. and were tearing up the buildings. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so as one of her uh, Montessori's projects, she went into San Lorenzo and was tasked to um, find a way to keep the kids the, these young kids engaged. Mm-hmm. And so that's what she did. And her gift was uh, observation. She wasn't the lead teacher at that time. She hired people to do that work. But from that place, uh, what they realized uh, was she was an incredible observer, what she realized was. And so she would put things in front of students that were um, engaging and uh, taught them academic skills. And that is, uh, that's one of the things that Montessori education is known for is this very specialized group of materials. Um, there's no magic in that. She just found the things that the students were the most drawn to and then said, this is it. If you want to teach this concept, this is the best and most discreet way to do it. And she did it in a way that was developmentally appropriate, was uh, loving and kind, 
uh, and promoted the most independence that you could possibly have for the age group that you're working with. And so it's a real draw. That's to, so interesting because that's sort of the way businesses are having to recalibrate right now. It's in being used of, in other places too right now. So they're, yeah. they're, people are using the philosophy uh, of Montessori in things like how to work with people who are uh, have dementia or Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and that these mm-hmm. can be ways that are really loving and caring ways to, to get people actively engaged in uh, daily life activities that are really meaningful and important. Can you give an example of that? Uh, like just dressing and taking and socializing. So particularly for people who are, you know, like suffering dementia or Alzheimer's who don't remember or losing their memory, then mm-hmm. these things can be really helpful to help having them feel engaged in life, engaged in what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, is it fair to call it like a task oriented type of education? Uh, in some ways, yeah. And the, the there's a guide in the room that is trained. And so I have that training um, at a few lo- few different levels. And that person observ- is a very keen observer. And then they provide lessons to those students in the basic areas of school, which are very familiar to all of us. So mm-hmm. math, reading, language, uh, all of the things. And then Montessori adds a a couple others depending upon the level that you're at. So for younger kids, there are things that are more around, uh, it's called sensorial, things more around uh, how to work in your environment or do, you know, clean and um, just actively move your body in purposeful ways. And for the way it might manifest itself in a kid that might be adolescent age is finding meaningful work or giving them a, a process of how to be entrepreneurial and mm-hmm. how to manage money uh, and so that's how it might might manifest itself at a later age like for for a say a primary level kid what, what would be like a a good example like a like let's say a math assignment yeah you know trying to learn you know addition or subtraction I mean how would that be approached yeah and so some of those things uh, for math you know the basic work that you're looking at is, you know, you're looking at just recognizing what numbers are to start with. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of pre-work that would have to happen before Mm -hmm. you even got into operations at that point. Uh, But once you had the concept of, you know, decimals and tens, et cetera, things like that, then you can uh, work with manipulatives to try to help them understand the concept of addition and that means putting together or subtraction and that means taking away okay. uh, things like that and then showing the relationships between addition and multiplication showing the res- relationships between subtraction and division so uh, describe manipulatives you know for our listeners things that you can move with your hands with okay. your fingers yeah could be blocks or it could yeah. be anything so her one of the premises that she had was that we all learn by touching things or by moving things with our hands or experiencing. So it's mm-hmm. very experiential. And for young kids, it literally is like a material that is discreet mm-hmm. and that they can take off of a shelf. It's one activity that teaches a very discreet you know, concept. They go and do that activity. They're taught mm-hmm. how to do it by the guide first. Then mm-hmm. they can go and do it independently until they master that. Uh, and then it can be put back on the tray and put back on the shelf. And so that's kind of the beauty of the classroom is that kids are, if you walk into a Montessori classroom, especially primary age, Mm -hmm. it's really, you get this low hum of energy, but the kids are all very kind of independently engaged, possibly doing some parallel work, some small group work at that age. But if you went into a a toddler room, which is, you know, our toddlers are 14 months to to, um, three years, 
those kids are working primarily all independently because that's developmentally what they do. Which is totally amazing. I, I observed a classroom at one point, and I'm in there. There's a knock on the door, and there's a, a kid. So the guy, the teacher, opens the door. kid comes and sits down, spends about a minute or two kind of just kind of collecting their thoughts, getting mm-hmm. acclimated, you know, puts the lunch in a cubby, and then goes to work. And I watched this one kid doing dishes. And so there were two tubs, you know, she washed the dishes in one, rinsed them in the other, put it in a drying rack. She spilled a little bit of water, ran and got a mop, came back, mopped it up, went back, got all things finished, emptied the the tubs in the bucket, and all the time singing, just happy, um, working by herself. You know, got everything all done, mopped up the floor, put everything away. This kid's 18 months old. And she's doing this all by herself. I know people whose teenagers can't do that. I know people. I know adults, <laughs> adults that can't do yeah, that. Exactly. Absolutely, it was it was absolutely fascinating to watch. And the guide's there, you know, but but right. um, you know, just kind of supervising and just a really really fun, interesting concept. I'm so. curious to hear more because I have seen some of this sort of at work, but not in the way that I think you guys do it. So anyway, we're going to be right back. Open house with Team Reba on AM 1580. The answer. Back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side. And Eric Oz is here from Homebridge Financial Mortgage. Yes. And with us today, we've got Jamie Sweeney, Executive Director of Three Tree Montessori School in Burien, Washington. I didn't say that earlier. So, Jamie, um, tell us, uh, I mean, we're kind of talking a bit about the concepts of, of Montessori education. Mm-hmm. And, and this isn't just like a, a label that any school can put on, on their building, right? It, it takes quite a bit to reach the certification levels for Montessori. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Sadly, uh, what you said is actually really po- possible. So there's, oh. a, there's no <laughs> trademark. There's nothing on the word Montessori. So you'll see a lot of different schools that have the name and so that is Oh, so if somebody is talking to a Montessori program, then they maybe want to hear something like this so they can ask questions about how they actually do their teaching. That's right. And okay. in the United States, there are two main bodies that uh, certify or accredit schools who are who have trained teachers and kind of do it at a different mm-hmm. level. Yeah. Okay. And so one of those is associate, Association um, Montessori International, and that is what uh, Three Tree is a part of. And then the other organizing body is uh, American Montessori Society. Mm-hmm. And both are great. Both have uh, you know, similar standards as far as getting your teachers accredited and training. And they just approach the, the philosophy in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but both are really high quality. And if you are looking for a Montessori school, I would look to see if they have some affiliation okay. with one of those with two. With one of the two. Okay. Yep. And if they don't, then it's potentially suspect. You just want to ask more <laughs> questions, right? It's like right. anything else. Okay. And well, so what are the age groups? Because you mentioned toddlers, but then mm-hmm. we're also talking primary. What What yeah. are the age groups of a typical Montessori school? Well, and it's it's interesting. It's one of the uh, big pieces of philosophy, too, is that they're great. the kids are grouped into developmental uh, kind of cohorts. And okay. so... Each of those years is a three-year commitment, and so for our toddler kids, they're there because we can't we can't really take kids younger. The state groups them in different ages. Our okay. our age group for those younger kids is fourteen months to three years, and then the next step is three to six years. 
Okay. And they're all in the same room together, mm -hmm. uh, learning together. So you have younger kids who are being taught by older kids. You have middle. That's actually really cool. It's mm -hmm. amazing. And it's really a lot of the, provides a lot of the opportunity for learning because mm -hmm. kids can be independent and they can, you know, you might get a younger kid who's better at reading than mm -hmm. one of the older kids and they can be a model in right. one thing. Yeah. Whereas that same pair, if you flip them around, you know, one of the kids might be better at math and they can share that way, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and then you go six to nine, which then jumps into our elementary program, uh, nine to 12, and then mm -hmm. up into uh, middle school, which is done typically matches whatever the culture of the city is. So mm -hmm. some folks, middle school or junior high would be uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. Mm -hmm. uh, for a Montessori school, it might be seventh, eighth, and ninth. Okay. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of middle schools or junior highs are just seven, eight. And then okay. there are a handful of Montessori high schools in the United States as well. Okay. I was curious about that. So are, are there any here locally? Uh, not locally. The school I came from had a high school. Okay. Um, there's one in Redmond, California. There's uh, others around. So how well do the kids integrate from a Montessori program into like a more traditional high school? Typically really well. The One of the... I guess the characteristics that gets cultivated in that is that kids are pretty fearless about working with adults. And so they um, have the ability to be real leaders in their spaces and um, they present well, they know how to problem solve because once you get mm -hmm. into elementary age level, we talked about how those other kids are you know, going from toddler, which is independent work typically, primary starts doing more small group work, mm -hmm. elementary it's like puppies in a you know, they're just like, <laughs> they can't help but want to sit on each other all the time. Uh, junior high is about the same. We got kittens and, and puppies in this and show. Exactly, right. <laughs> we'll get all the connections that we can get. Um, and high school is really more independent work uh, based on uh, going out and doing work in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Well, I love hearing that just because, you know, middle school is – you know, you hear all the time about all these social dilemmas that we've got. In fact, I actually just watched the Netflix documentary Social Dilemma recently, and the sharp spike scare you. in um, young girls and suicide mm -hmm. uh, with social media being available on mobile phones. And it sounds, you know, because that is one of the things. I used to speak in high schools with a nonprofit I had, and, you know, you you know kids are going through bullying. You know that they're going through all these issues around peer pressure and the way the media wants them to look and everything else. And it sounds like the Montessori concept. I love the fact that it has, because you're so segmented in middle school and high school. And I just had a conversation with my brother the other day where he was telling me about reminding me where the high school we went to in Kansas, when he was a freshman, there was an area that you had to walk down. And I remember the same for me where the juniors all sat and he was being goaded to get in fights. And he was, he, he just thought, I'm not a guy who wants to do that, but I've got these older kids who are pressuring me mm -hmm. and doing mm -hmm. these things. And, you know, but I kind of love this, you know, grouping because the social skills that have to be developed um, sound like they're much more advanced. And uh, because you're not segmenting, and I do like that, you know, like I grew up in uh, gifted programs. And so even though I was the youngest kid in my class, I was developmentally way beyond most of my, you know, uh, counterparts. And I preferred, you know, like I got to high school and was like, oh, thank God I can be like hanging out with juniors and seniors that I have more of a mental 
you know, connection with and these bozos in my class. I mean, even my adult life has always been kind of that way for the longest time. All my mm-hmm. friends were 10, 15, 20 years older than me because it was just a different different way of thinking and acting and everything else. And so this this just seems to me like a, a brilliant way to be able to have them socialize better. I love the idea of, you know, if there is a younger that has a, a, a skill that can work with an older kid and vice versa. I mean, cause that's really what the world is about mm-hmm. is learning how to work well with others, mm-hmm. you know, playing nice in the sandbox, so to speak. Yep. Well, and I think the trick is, you know, with, with a, a, a well-run Montessori school, the guides, uh, you know, they call, they're called guides rather than mm-hmm. teachers because uh, they're guiding the, mm-hmm. the kids. Um, you know, they've got, each kid or groups of kids working independently, they're all working mm-hmm. on projects. When you go into the classroom, not everybody is looking at the board. I mean, they're all doing mm-hmm. different different things, but they're busy and they're active and they're right. they're happy. They're enjoying themselves. Well, and, and that's uh, that's one of the things that some of the kids that drop out, mm-hmm. they're not engaged. Right. They're, they're sometimes brilliant. I mean, you look at some mm-hmm. of the top companies that are out there and you, you look at who mm-hmm. started them. Yeah. And they're people who dropped out, you know. Brand, Richard Branson is a perfect example of that. Right. And that guy's got 400 some companies, right. but he dropped out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So this would be compelling. I'm almost curious to like, do they ever let people, I mean, you got a chance to audit a class, but that's because you're also on the board. Do, do uh, parents, if they're considering a Montessori, get an opportunity to come and see that so sure. that they can decide for themselves? Yeah, we would, we would right offer fit? a tour and, mm-hmm. and an explanation of what's going on at the school and come in and, and have a look, you know? Okay. And I do think that, you know, there's there are some pretty foundational differences, too, in the way that you and I both, you know, mm-hmm. were educated. Eric, I don't know your mm-hmm. back, your backstory as much, um, but also our listeners do because he talks about it all the time. He grew up here. Yeah. <laughs> but that one of the f- kind of fundamental pieces is that it's more cooperative based, more project based, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so with that, you lose some of the competitive basis that we, I feel like I grew up with, which Mm -hmm. is like, you know, this whole concept of being a valedictorian or salutatorian, et cetera, that, that is really uh, competitive based. And, and so when you kind of spin that in a way of trying to get kids to be more cooperative and how can we help each other out? That mm-hmm. is a real, there's a real power there. And mm-hmm. so these kids go to other places, like you were asking about their transition and that transition usually is good because they're looking about way, how can I connect? How can right. I, mm-hmm. how can I be a contributor to this? Not just with my friends, but with this place and how can we make this place better? They're, they're yeah. That kind of and I can imagine that comes working out. well into both college and then work life eventually. Yeah. Right. I mean, as someone who's on the foundation at RTC, you know, we talk all the time, you know, people who are students at our programs are not necessarily people who just got out of K-12. Right. It's it's often mm-hmm. our average age, I think, is 27 or 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's often people started down one path and went, eh. This this mm-hmm. isn't for me, mm-hmm. and I want to I want to restart, and so they they end up finding what becomes really their, their passion mm-hmm. um, later on because in the traditional model they're not really given the opportunity to to really figure out what it is they want. Um, but I love that this sounds like it provides much more of that opportunity for connection and figuring out what you're passionate about, and then getting a chance to engage in that. Yeah. Because um, you, I think a lot of the traditional models, I'm not trying to bash, and, like, and I have a lot of friends who are teachers, 
uh, I'm not bashing public education or even private schools or any of those kinds of things. It's just it's just different. And I am looking a lot because I'm going through a leadership program myself right now through Darren Hardy's programs um, called Hero's Journey. And a lot of what we're doing is this um, learning of EQ and the way that the world is because we also have a very diverse society right now with a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and we have to be able to all get along. That's right. right. And I think it's, it'd be silly for us to think that, you know, we want to lift all boats like mm-hmm. education, no matter what education we want it to be right. as good as it can possibly be. Yep. Yeah. And yep. so trying to figure out ways to make that happen is really important. And we try to, we try to pull together things with our uh, philosophy that, that actually makes sense that make it, you know, make it better than it by itself and you know like a great example and one that helps the students build relationally and build uh and it's something that came from um initiatives from the state even this year which i was really happy to hear but we do comprehensive sex ed which is like a really intensive program over you know weeks and weeks not just a one-off but Mm -hmm. but over weeks of time uh, which teaches, you know, not only about relational issues, but about consent and how to mm-hmm. how to have, um, you know, really high quality relationships. No matter what you are, it's all about inclusivity. How to uh, how to welcome all kinds of people into your life and understand, uh, try to understand perspectives of where people mm-hmm. are. Those things are critical. And just mm-hmm. how do you how do you take good care of the people around you? No matter if you're on the same page politically or not it doesn't make any difference it's how do you take good care of people right. mm-hmm. yeah speaking of take good care of people uh you might have something to take care of yourself uh, we're <laughs> going to take a real quick break and we're going to be back in just a couple minutes we've got jamie sweeney with us uh, executive director of three tree montessori school stay tuned and learn more about the montessori experience be right back open house with team reba on am 1580 the answer Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes from Homebridge Financial Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Haas from Team Reba. And thank you again for joining us. We've got Jamie Sweeney here, um, Executive Director of Three Tree Montessori School, and uh, talking about sort of the Montessori experience. And uh, Jamie, tell us a little bit about Three Tree Montessori School itself. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I've been there for one year, so I'm probably not the best historian, but um, the school's been there for 18 uh, we have ages toddler. We serve ages toddler through uh, sixth grade. Um, we have about 175 students in the school at this point, um, serving primarily folks in South King County, but uh, there's no limit geographically or um, anything Yeah, so like that was that. my question um, as we were going into the break was, how does somebody, you know, it, they can just come from anywhere as long as yeah. they're willing to make whatever the commute time is to get their child there. Absolutely. It's not like a typical public school where maybe it's geographically decided. Nope. nope. Okay. No, it is not by zip code. It's it's an independent private or here private in Texas. It was independent schools here. They're private schools. Yeah. But, so yeah. does somebody go to a website? To yeah. Three tree dot org. It's very simple. Three tree dot org, and that's spelled out, not the numbers. T-H-R-E-E. Spelled out. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And there are also thanks for spelling that for our listeners, just in case they needed the education. <laughs> also. <laughs> We're fully. I'm here to serve. You know, <laughs> got train I'm, sounds I'm, too. I'm, I'm here good. to educate. That's right. So, and there are also uh, before and after school programs yes. as well as summer programs. Yes. Yeah. And so tuition based, um, year round, 
um, the um, school portion is fall through spring, just like any regular traditional mm -hmm. school. Uh, and then we'd have a summer program that goes also. So that's going on right now. So is that more of the, the same or is it other kinds of programming? What, it, what happens when it's, more, it's the summer? More activities in the community for the elementary age kids and out and about. Uh, and then for you the mean younger, like field trips? Or? Yeah. And for but, the younger kids, it's project-based stuff for the summertime. Yeah. What and, would be a typical field trip? Uh, they go to the park. They go to the farmer's market. Uh, they have gone... Gosh, they've done a lot of things. Uh, Burke Museum has sent stuff to us. Um, trying to remember. I actually else. love the farmers market because, especially learning about local food yeah. and things two like to, that. Two to three outings a week, typically. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. also curious, is there like a typical lunch type thing that kids, goes on? Kids bring their own. They bring their own. Yeah. Okay, so it's not whatever. That's right. Weird food stuffs well, that somebody thinks is appropriate. Right. Well, I actually kind of like that because you can really tailor yeah. then, you know, to the needs of your child That's for right. one. And there's also that opportunity of making sure it's very healthy. That's right. And good for learning. Yeah. And culturally. I just got really done with two books. I just read The Omnivore's Dilemma and In Defense of Food. And I'm like a huge fan of local food. So. Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Michael yeah. Pollan work. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right. Well, it's like my backyard, I know, yeah. I know, all the way. I know, I've got to get my bedding area up again. Okay, anyway, <laughs> well, digression. Okay, <laughs> class size, how, how big are the classes? Uh, right now, because of uh, the pandemic, we're limited to 20 at the primary level, uh, 30 at the um, elementary level, and 14 at the toddler level. Okay, Yeah. Got it. and there's still room, though. There's still, so people are thinking about enrollment, yeah. like coming I mean, up into the fall here. We're, we're looking at wait lists coming up, which is a positive sign, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I, the way I would interpret that, if you're a listener, is that the school is good quality, and that we are um, the highest level of recognition through AMI, through our uh, professional association, uh, and do good work. The teachers, you know, having been here, I think I can speak to uh, this I've been here one year, so I have a fairly objective view out, you know, from being coming from a different place. The teachers are amazing. The guides are some of the best I've ever seen, and the school is doing incredibly good work, and it's what drew me to this to the school, and there's a lot of uh, activist work going on, a lot of sensitivity to uh, being inclusive and being an inclusive community, um, good level of tuition assistance we're trying to be good people in the in the community of burian and in the area and uh trying to take care of folks that way too mm -hmm. when you say tuition assistance is that sort of like how the foundation for rtc has like scholarships available or how does yeah we d we devote a proportion of our um, budget annually to helping people who um their t their income is not as high mm -hmm. as they need it to be to be able to afford the school so yeah because i even just think about burien as a city itself and it's got some waterfront areas where there's some very high income people mm -hmm. and then it's also got some right. very low income yeah. individuals but yeah, really everyone diverse. has the opportunity potentially to and be it's able a real to be there. yeah it's a real strength of the school i think mm -hmm. is that diversity and mm -hmm. we reflect the diversity that is around us which is really nice nice yeah, yeah. now i know that that whole school district is is very very diverse renton yeah. also is so mm -hmm. Well, our, our entire community is yes, our one of the most in the nation, yes. one of the most diverse in the nation. Mm -hmm. um, and and we, we have a – it's kind of a cool process when somebody is actually applying for, you know, for tuition assistance. It's it's done anonymously where we have a, a panel that, that reviews their information, and we use a third-party company that does a recommendation, and we review that. 
and and kind of decide is this something that we can do and and we of course err on the side of, of wanting to help and um, you know what's interesting too is is that once once a family joins the school maybe mm-hmm. they join at the toddler level and um, you know they they tend to stay you know because once they experience the Montessori education process mm-hmm. they also see how their kids are developing you know they're they're like Oh wow, this is pretty cool, you mm-hmm. know. And they, they want to stick around, which you don't, you can't necessarily say that, you know, about about every mm-hmm. school, you know. So it's it's a pretty special place when it comes to that, and a lot of that's really due to just the the energy and the devotion of the guides. That mm-hmm. are, you know, I've I've watched them, you know, even in my small role with the school, and they're they're pretty extraordinary, truly. So I'm curious, also, um, because you say you're getting to a place that you have to wait list, is there? the potential of expanding the number of guides as well or what 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 holds you back or propels you forward yeah we had a we had a wait list at primary age level we'll probably always have a wait list for toddler that's just a that level of program is harder to find Mm -hmm. for people and it's usually not a huge wait list but it's just harder to get into that level because there aren't as many Mm -hmm. spots and and usually a high need uh and so what we do is uh contemplate adding a classroom and so this year we'll add another classroom to try to pull down off the wait list and try to get as many people um, served as we possibly can most of our families are you know two-parent families working and mm-hmm. uh, trying to get people you know the service that they need to take really good care of their kids and um, the reality is is that people are looking for daycare and what mm-hmm. they find when they come to the school is that it's much much more than that um, well I think it sounds cool because the the way you've got your programming set up I'm a big fan of a bunch of the European models and, and other countries where kids go to school. I mean, I, you and I grew up in the same area. Mm. I hated taking the summer off of school. <laughs> I absolutely, I mean, I loved learning and I couldn't stand having to take the summer off because then by the time you got back to school the next fall, you had to do refresher courses on everything that you kind of forgot mm. over the summer and the consistency of learning. Cause I mean, once you become an adult, uh, Hi, we don't get summer off. <laughs> yeah, I pretty so. much got treated as an adult. I was, I was working. Like yeah. If I wasn't in school, I was, I was working. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just think it's good for kids just in general because, one, the, the social connections mm-hmm. stay there. The learning connections stay there. I mean, I just I think it's – I can see why it would be such a draw. If I'd, if I'd been able to have children of my own, this would probably be the kind of program that I would have sought out. Oh, it's nice to yeah. hear. Yeah, absolutely. And Jamie, if, if if there's someone out there listening who has a elementary school level kid, is that still possible to get in yeah. uh, to the Montessori mm-hmm. education? Yeah, and it's a it's a conversation for us, right? It's like uh, because of the way that kids grow up in that uh, in the pedagogy, uh, they they do come into that program really self directed mm-hmm. and uh, able to kind of ne- negotiate that in a way that is really you know, they're really adept at it. Mm-hmm. And for some kids who are used to a program or uh, a setting that might be more uh, directive for them, telling them what to do, that sometimes can be a real struggle. Mm-hmm. And so having that conversation with parents is really important. But yeah, we we definitely look for people at that age level as well to, to come in and, and apply. Okay. Well, 3tree.org mm-hmm. is the website where you can go to learn yeah. more about it. And thank you so much for being here, Jamie. We thank really you. appreciate having Both. you here today. Yeah, yeah, thank you very, very much. And that's another episode of Open House Team Reba on the books. Join us next week, every Saturday, 2 to 3 o'clock, and Sundays, 3 to 4. Have a great weekend, everyone.
you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at Remax Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for more Open House with Team Reba here on AM 1590. The answer. The preceding program was sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Homebridge Financial Services.